She's April. And she's Molly. And we are the Book Besties. It begins with absence and desire. It begins with blood and fear. It begins with a discovery of witches. Take a drink of orange juice. Take a drink of tea. Take a drink of coffee. Sing songs about the good times. Sing songs about the bad times. We don't intend to be chaotic neutral. It happens. What the crap is up with that house? Empirically? Empirically? Vampires cannot have sperm. I kind of understood it, like, reading the context of it, because I'm a good reader. Molly, are you asking me to be a lesbian couple with you? (laughs) Haley, I've missed your face. I missed your face. So, I've been on vacation, besties, if you... This has been only a week for you guys, but it's been, what, two weeks for us since we've seen each other? It has been, it has been. So, um, I went to the Carolinas to see my sister and her clan who lives in Buford. Yeah. So, it was, um, every time, so my sister takes us to the same beach every time, and every time, hashtag Big's Luck, every time we go to this beach, a thunderstorm rolls in. Ah. Since Jesse has moved there, every time, and it's just like, we don't catch a break anytime we're on the East Coast. It's like- the kids had a good time. They got shells. They got to see the ocean, which we live in Galveston Bay, so they think that's the ocean until they see, actually see, like, clear the ocean water. Ocean. Yeah. The real water. So they're like, oh. Yeah. So. yeah, the water in Galveston, Houston area is not clean. The, it's the, like, the thing is, though, the Gulf of Mexico is clean on the Florida side. Right. <laughs> the Texas side, it's because of Louisiana. I'm always going to blame Louisiana for that. But, like... I mean, you remember being here. Anytime on social media, anytime that water cleared up, everybody's, like, posting, like, 60 million pictures of the, mm. like, the, the coast is blue for five days, yeah. less than five days. Don't get yeah. too excited. Yeah. Don't get yeah. too excited. Well, I mean, if you have so many problems when you come to the East Coast, that's, like, motivation. You should come visit me in Virginia, and I'll take you to the beach, and, you We'll know. see if the thunderstorms roll in there, too. <laughs> I mean, it actually rains a lot here in Virginia in the summer. Um, We had rain yesterday, and um, when I worked for the public library here, that was, like, always a problem in the summer. Like, is it Mm -hmm. going to rain when I'm trying to throw this major carnival for, like, the entire Like, outside, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I don't do that anymore, because now I work for a school. (laughs) So, so I just... So public uh, funded. Those schools, baby. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So this week is Discovery of Witches. Discovery Woo! of Witches. <laughs> I've been pushing this book on this lady for the last. It's been ten years. years. Hundred it's le- years. Uh, it's legitimately be te- been ten years because a few weeks ago, um, like Facebook memories, I had posted a. Hey, I just finished this. I think it may have been the Hunger Games series or something. Yeah, I just yeah. finished the series. I need some book suggestions. And you put Discovery of Witches in there. And at the time, I think only that one book had been out. Right. Oh, yeah. Because this book came out in 09, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I think it was published. And then book two didn't come till 2012. Yeah. So it was legit 10 years because okay. that post was in 2011. I'm looking. Deb was Two thousand eleven and twenty twelve yeah. was book two. Whew, that's a long time. So, so for um, for ten years you've been trying to get me to read it. Ten years. Ten years. And you know what? It took me forcing you to do a podcast to read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like um, basically I'm pretty sure that you decided to have this podcast just so you could get me to read Discovery of Witches. I'm on I can you, never, Molly Biggs. I can't confirm or deny. How do you think I got you? I got you to read Harry Potter. Oh, like your kids got you to read Harry Potter, but I'm going to take partial Ugh. credit for that. Harry Potter and Discovery in one year. I'm going to take the W. Yeah. And actually today I finished the fourth Harry Potter book. Which, okay, we're not going to spoil it because when we do cover Harry Potter, she's going to go over this. But I was rolling when she was texting me. <laughs> 
I feel like that might need to be more than one episode. I know we're trying to pull that into one, but I have a lot of feelings. Um, uh, <laughs> comment on our Facebook page, tweet us, uh, Instagram. You tell us if we need to do one episode for Harry Potter, if we needed to cover every book. Because if we need to cover every book, April's going to be so mad. <laughs> April has to read every book anyway, so here we are, right? Here we are. Um, so I wanted to start with Discovery. Yeah. By reading uh, the opening passage. Okay. So, um, so I will Deborah, listen patiently. I, I have a beautiful reading voice, if you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it begins with absence and desire. It begins with blood and fear. It begins with a discovery of witches. Now, Dr. Harkness wrote this mm-hmm. really early on when she was, like, figuring out what she was doing. And this kind of just steamrolled everything, from what I understand. So, um, I have a little blurb I wrote, because I'm a nerd about this. Uh, so, Dr. Harkness wrote this book, in two, it published in 2011. But Dr. Harkness, uh, Dr. Deborah Harkness, is a history professor at United University of South Carolina, Southern California. I can use the words, I swear, people. <laughs> I swear. Um, but before she started writing fiction, she had two nonfiction books already published. One about Dr. D, and there's, um, I think the other one's on alchemy, but it was 20, 2007 and t- 1991 the first book was published. So when she first started writing this, actually, she went to her publisher and she's like, I'm writing another book. And he's like, awesome. She goes, it's fiction. And he goes, what? <laughs> Hold up, what? What? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, Dr. Harkness actually started writing this. She decided she was going to write three books. She said this at conferences. She decided re- writing three books one for herself, one for her best friend, and one for her mom. And each book has elements of each person. Like, there's a, one has historical, one has romance, and then, like, you know, they're just rolled from there, right? And it became a New York Times bestselling. So my lesson here, friends, the point of me covering this, write for yourself. If you are a writer or you see yourself as a writer or you write for fun, write for yourself. The rest is going to come. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But if you're writing, write with your heart. Obviously, Dr. Harkness knew what she was doing because it, panned out i mean it's a tv show across the world it's just so and there um, are there are three books three books Um, so there's three books okay so the first three books all cover diana's diana's band now there is a fourth book who who is marcus's story which we're Mm going to cover who marcus is when we talk about this and then she's writing a book about Gallo Glass, which you didn't read about him in this book, so spoilers. Um, and then there's a new book, the most recent one she's trying to finish right now. is She just calls it the Purple Book, and she's not telling us whose it is. I have Love a theory. Girl. I think it's Sarah is our main character oh. in that. But um, it, That's pretty interesting. we'll see. So... Um, for our fans that don't know what Discovery of Witches is, I will give you a synopsis. Yes, the main char- do. So the main character of this book is Diana Bishop. Dr. Bishop is a history professor at Yale who is visiting uh, Oxford for the summer to do research on her, on her paper because she's writing a paper for this conference. While she's in Oxford, she discovers a mystery manuscript called Ashmole 782. She unknowingly starts a chain of events off and she encounters witches, vampires, and demons and her whole life changes because of this one book. Mm -hmm. And it just changes her life. Which, if you read the series, you know this. Um, Which she is also a witch herself. Right, right. Diana is a witch. An unwilling witch, I'll have, I'll say. Right. When we meet Diana, she is an unwilling witch, right? She, mm-hmm. um... And she's a witch, like, 
I had to, I'm sorry to interrupt your synapses here, but I have to clarify. So when I started reading this, I had to text Molly, I had to text you and ask you, is she a witch like Wiccan? Because they talk about like Wiccan celebrations or, or is she a witch like Harry Potter, like, like, like that. And and you said both. Both. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand. (laughs) So. She's um, actually like a magical creature. Like she truly a magical has magical creature with yeah. actual Wiccan backgrounds, right? right? And she is from those bishops. She is in this story. She is a descendant of the Salem bishops. Okay, right. her family goes all the way back to Salem, and so on and so forth. And these right. bloodlines, which if you've read the books, you know the bloodlines are very strong, and mm-hmm. this is very important. Right. So, um. And Proctor, her dad. And Proctor. And her Proctor. dad is Stephen Proctor. Right. And her, yes. And yeah. the women in the family keep the bishop last name. It, right. The witches in all these families keep their last name, the maiden name. They don't well, switch. I mean, if I were a bishop and I'm a witch, 100% I'm keeping that name. Word. I mean, history ha- you know, has your back there for right, a second. Right. So, um, People you're complete. Who you are. Right. I mean, your name tells them. And if they right. don't, you're sure as heck going to show them with your magic. Right. So, your first impressions. This is new to you. Okay. Just, yeah. This, this is, is, okay. So, I, I have overall, overall, not just like one snippet. Overall, first okay. impression. I, I have to preface this by saying I was really nervous to read this because this is like sacred to you. This, oh, this It is Bible is- to me. Yeah, and you've met Dr. Harkness, and you times. you do the fan things. Like, you're a part of the fandom. So I was right. nervous, um, and I – it's not for me. Like That's okay. I feel so terrible because I love Woo! you. And I, I love you. Love, and I want to love this for you. But I have decided – I always say that I – it's not that I – like when people say about Harry Potter, they're like, why don't you like Harry Potter? And I'm like, oh, it's not that I don't like fantasy. I like fantasy. But I've come to realize that that isn't true. I like fantasy bo- – I like fantasy in movies, but I don't really like fe- reading fantasy books. So well, and I, I feel like this is fantasy, but it's like historical fantasy, which okay. is a niche, right? right? And I like – I don't like historical fiction either. Right. However, with that being said um, – the history elements, the historical elements of the book were the parts that I enjoyed the most. I actually thought... Deb, man, Deb is spectacular. She knows her shit, man. I mean, I think it's really... I, I think that knowing now what you've just told us about the fact that she wrote a book about alchemy, um, alchemy is a huge part of mm-hmm. this story. Diana is... Like, her job is basically studying alchemy, and she, I don't know the exact term, but she's like a historian of science, right? Right. Yeah. So, is Dr. Dr. Harkness also a historian of science? I believe, I'll put what her exact degree is and what okay. she actually covers, but I know um, during pandemic, she does, like she was talking about in her live streams, how she teaches people to handle the old texts, right? Mm-hmm. In the old ancient manuscripts. Like that's what she covers in her books, in her mm-hmm. stuff, usually in her classes is more about handling, reading and dealing with the materials. Um, but I'll cover in the notes exactly what Dr. Harkness does because homegirl well, does it all. Well, She's that's pretty interesting. Cause like that archive, uh, being an archivist is actually a profession that you can have as a librarian. Right. Um, and handling uh, delicate documents and things like that. Like that was the other thing I liked about this book was so much of it took place in a library. Right. And um, well, I'm not going to reveal my favorite character yet. Cause I know that's one of the things you want to talk to me right. about. So I'll, I'll hold off on that. But, but I, I have to say there were parts of this library thing that were really pissing me off. Cause it's just not how libraries work. <laughs> not how any of this works. That's not how this works. But um, I did like that. So much of it took place in a library. And, um, you know, I mean, as a whole, the book was not for me, but um, I really liked the narrator of the audiobook, which is how I read this one. Jeffrey um, Kedem is, oh my goodness, this woman is spectacular. Yeah. And um, I, I, yeah, I mean, there were elements of it that I definitely can appreciate. Just overall, it 
it wasn't my cup of tea. So, so. before we um, dive into the story and everything, so are you adding the rest of them to your be read book or you're done? I think I'm done. I, I, think it would, I think it would be okay for me to watch the show because, like I said, I've come to realize now that it's like I don't like reading fantasy, but I, I like watching like, it. I think you'd like the show. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So I think, um, I mean, I think I could see myself doing that, um, mm-hmm. but not unless you make me. I don't think I would read the other books. <laughs> she will make you. And, and this is something unique for this particular episode of the podcast. Like, first of all, this is the first time that we've picked a book that only you have read. Um, and, um, so it's one of my beloveds, right? It is one of my beloveds. And the next episode will be one of your beloveds that I've never read. Right. But also unique about this one is this is a series that I've actually read the first book in the series. So like Mm -hmm. the other series that we've covered in the pod, we've been able to kind of talk about things that happen down the road. Like you're more than welcome to share those things. I'll have no idea what you're talking about. Um, (laughs) But spoilers, man. But I don't think you care about spoilers, honestly. (laughs) Spoilers, sweetie. Sweetie. (laughs) Uh, By the way, I've also gotten April into Doctor Who. Like yes. heavy, which is amazing because our beloved Sarah is also River Song. So kidding me? No, no, that was my, okay. So we're gonna talk about this, and you know, I'll just say it now. So when they were doing casting, uh-huh. there were several people I had in mind. Uh huh. Right? Yeah. But I always said in my head, Sarah is River Song. I can't remember the actress's name. I'm sure you know who her, her name. I've I known her, know her name right now, but I can look it up. I'll yeah, look it up. Well, uh, but I said that is it, it is going to be her with the curly hair, the personality between the stuff she did on ER, between Doctor Who. I was like, mm-hmm. she is River Song, and Matt's like, no way, it's not going to happen. I go, no, Bad Wolf produced Doctor Who. Bad Wolf is part of. This production, it's going to be her. And when they announced she was cast, I cried. I was like, oh my god, one, I was right, and two, I was so excited to see her play Sarah. When does dream casting ever happen? Like, never. I was so excited to see her. So the Ale- her name is Alex Kingston. That's and, Alex Kingston. And if you're not uh, a Whovian, um, you would maybe know her from doc- from uh, ER. She was on ER. Um, on Order, right? Um, I'm looking through, and I'm not seeing Law and Order. But um, but I, that is amazing, and now kind of makes me want to watch the show even more because I love her. I and, love her. Um, I, I love River Song and like the way she plays her is perfect. And just just to tell you how much I've gotten into Doctor Who on this little tangent we're going on now, I've been on Etsy a lot lately, and I am buying for my laptop. I'm I'm going to be working in a new school next year, and for my new laptop, I am buying a sticker that is the TARDIS with the um the uh the flowers from the um oh i know what you're thinking with the flowers from the uh van gogh episode yes Um, and then uh there's another one that's uh river's journal and it says spoilers over it uh and you know what (laughs) middle schoolers are the perfect audience for doctor who by the way i love perfect amazing we're on a tangent I'm sorry. We do. I'm sorry. I'm not. We do it. <laughs> I'm not. Um, so, we've mildly covered this. What do you think of the use of not just history, but locations? Dr. Harkness Deb, she gets into it, right? She really is, descri- she describes places. She's mm-hmm. really in detail. And she really, like, I'm from upstate New York. And yeah. she nails that place. Boom, on the head, right? Like, how do you feel about this? So I think um, in some ways, the way that she uh, writes, it's obvious that she's an academic. Um, and not to say that academics can't write fiction. They certainly can. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that she writes is very much like overly detailed in some ways. Right. And, I, and I think that gets messy in the plot. Um, yeah, it makes it makes like this book could have been a lot shorter. If she wouldn't have been like describing the side of a building for, I don't want it to be shorter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but 
I, I mean, I liked the history. I love history. I do not like historical fiction, but I'm the kind of person that will literally, and I have done this, literally spend the history channel to the point that they start repeating the episodes that were played earlier in the day because you mm-hmm. just watched everything. Um, I love history. And that's like, I, I um, lived in Europe. Uh, I just did a study abroad. So it was Lucky. just six months. So it wasn't like I lived but there still- for like... Yeah, it was it was really awesome. So it's I lived still in Europe. Cool. I know. So when she's describing like college, uh, university in England, I'm like, yeah, I, I understand that. I understand that. Um, my university wasn't posh like Oxford is, but um, I mean, most are. Nothing is posh nothing like, is Oxford. like Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed the history of this, and and I thought. Okay, so while things get messy in there, while I do think some of the plot gets lost, like she legit knows about this stuff. Like it right. isn't like it isn't like she was just like guessing, googling, right? No, homegirl wasn't googling. She's been there. She's felt the books in right. the library. She's she's been to the places like right the yellow glass book that she I mentioned. She could took a trip, a research trip, just to do it. Right, like. She wants to know what she's writing about. Right. And I appreciate that about her writing. She's not just, like, Googling pictures and guessing. Right. And I think that gives it an authenticity that you don't always get um, with some historical fiction because there's a lot more research involved. And, like, Dr. Darkness or Harkness. I keep saying Darkness. Dr. Harkness (laughs) literally. (laughs) Dr. Harkness literally has a degree in history. So she's done the research. Like, this isn't like she had to research it for this one book. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like I like it, but I still feel like it gets can get lost in the plot a little bit. Right. A little bit. I mean. Okay, so did you notice, I'm sorry, Tom, I hit that. Um, Did you notice that the way she describes furniture, like, did you, like, this is a thing in the books. Dr. Harkness loves to. I did not remember furniture. I think it's later in the books. She describes, she loves describing furniture. It's a thing. We've, it's jokes in the fandom. It's, she has. I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just like a joke that's running in the fandom. She described a stool, right? And then we tease about it. <laughs> so, um, a question we always talk about when we have a female lead. Is Diana a heroine? Okay, so um, I've, uh, I struggled with this one. Of course! Because I feel like, yes, and I say that with a question mark at the end. But you also haven't finished the series. So I feel like our answers, I feel like our answers are going to be two different answers only because you have one reference and I have the whole picture, right? You have one glimpse. So I think at the beginning, she really starts as a hero. She's made a decision. She's born into magic, but she's made a decision that this isn't going to control her life. This isn't going to be who she is. She's going to be her own person. um, And she's going to do what she wants to do, which has been to study the history of science, but it's sort of magical science. So things like alchemy, which is really interesting because that's like the scientific way of explaining magic. Mm -hmm. It's sort of how they explain it in the book. But um, so she's decided that she's going to be her own person. But um, I, I'm going to be a little spoilery here. Um, so, something happens. <laughs> okay. First and foremost, we're going to talk about all the things. All I'm going to end up ta- I'm going to be end up talking about all three books and probably the Marcus book. <laughs> if you don't want to hear those things. Go read them and come back, please. Continue, my friends. <laughs> we haven't mentioned Matthew, but Matthew is a vampire. Um, and he's uh, a doctor. Yes, he's a many times doctor because he's lived, what, like 900 years or something ridiculous. He's got like 900 names as well. Yeah. So All Matthew, the names. Matthew is a vampire. And of course, because what would a vampire book be without somebody falling in love with him inexplicably? Um, Word. <laughs> so Diana and Matthew have a relationship. Or we don't have the love triangle, by the way. Yes, there is no love triangle, which is very exciting. But this is also not a <laughs> YA book, so you no. don't need a triangle because it's for adults. Um, so uh, they are together, and something happens to Matthew where he's al- almost dead. Like, he's dying. Um, and when she saves him, 
while that may appear heroic, at that moment, I was like, no, she's not a hero anymore. She did not do this to save him because she wanted to save him because saving him was the right thing to do. How many times can I say save him in a sentence? But save, she, save, 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 save. We gotcha. <laughs> she did it because she did it selfishly. She did it because she decided she could not survive without him, that she needed him. Right. And so she saved his life. Right. Which I think almost killed her, which was also stupid, but like, right. It wasn't a heroic act. She didn't do it for his benefit. She did it for hers. Which I don't think, honestly, Diana would not have survived without him. Not because she emotionally and fit, like her heart would be broken. No, I think the congregation would have came in and killed her. Right. I don't think, I don't think without Matthew, she would have survived. We would not have, yes, it was selfish because she loved him. Yes, it was selfish because they were already bonded and she was, they were metaphorically married or whatever, but like. They were vampirically married. Vampirically? Vampirically? We're just making shit up now. (laughs) It's what I do, baby. It's what I do. Um, But she. She needed him to survive. Yes, I think Baldwin and Matthew's family would eventually come in and help, but I truly, truly think she would have been dead. Like, I mean, the the congregation had it out for her. They were figuring out what was going on. Satu already tried killing her, right? Like, mm-hmm. they were very close. I, I just... She she would have had the fate of her parents if it wasn't right. for Matthew. And the Congress, for those of us the who congregation. are not, the congregation, the congregation. So that is basically a group made up of witches, vampires, and uh, demons. Demons. So I said zombies, and I was like, "That's not right." Um, <laughs> yes, there's zombies too. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's no zombies. <laughs> it's like, damn, she just really put everything in there, didn't she? <laughs> it's um, it is a gathering of each different type of magical creature right. to help make rules and regulations to keep them secret from the rest of the world. It is their job. They're like Sorry. the Ministry of Magic and the Volturi get together and decide to like do shit, but also demons are there too. Which demons we are uh, okay. So, so I supernatural that supernatural show. foe. Which, by the way, poor demons, man. They just they get the raw end of things. I did not appreciate them being included in here. Why? Um, and it wasn't that um, like. I mean, I don't really think of demons as magical creatures because I think of them as, like, evil. And I legitly believe in demons. Like, I don't believe in witches and vampires. But I legitly believe demons exist. But in this book, demons are born from humans. Right. Like, they're just, like, yeah, they're just, like, random. wandering around and have no idea what the hell's going on with their lives. And that's not what a demon is. Like, demons are real. And they will really screw with you. In the biblical sense, demons are real. But right. this is not taking a biblical context to it, right? Okay. okay, but there's enough freaking history and biblical context in this book that it doesn't make sense at all that she brought demons in here and did not include them in that context. Because there are so many references, deep references to the Bible and to... But they're using it as a historical reference. They're not using it as a religious text. In history, do you see demons other than in the Bible? Right. Uh, um, in Wiccan culture, Wiccans believe in demons. Okay, well, I don't really know that because, I mean, I have a friend who's a Wiccan, so I could, like, ask her. But um, actually, Hold on, we'll wait for you to call. I'm no. kidding. <laughs> um, so, grape number, okay, so those playing the home game, there's grape number one for April. <laughs> Look, if we turned this into a drinking game, well, nobody would get drunk except for me because I would get drunk off of one shot, but no one else would. <laughs> um, so then, I was going to say this for near the end, so... You are you a demon, witch, a vampire, or a human in this world? Then, do I have to exist in this world? 
if you had, okay, let's just say for not a demon. Well, I am, which I am. I am ADHD. Is there, is there I, like I, a is there like a quiz you can take like Pottermore that I found out is, as Ravenclaw? Oh, those are they're all like. Of course there is. I mean, have you not met the fandom? But most I, of us self-identify. <laughs> I, I self-identify only because have you met me? Right. I am creative, chaotic, and all over the place. Of course I'm a demon. <laughs> well, I guess I feel like I couldn't be a demon because I really feel like they're evil, even Thanks. though you're not, you're, not evil. you're not evil. <laughs> oh, no, I am. Um, and uh, I wouldn't want to be a vampire. They drink a lot of wine, and that would just make me sleepy. As um, a vampire, you don't sleep, so you're rocking and rolling. <laughs> Well, then I would be, well, maybe I would have a better, like, tolerance, tolerance as a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really want to live for, like, a billion years. That sounds horrible. I don't want to do that. I also really don't want to drink blood. That's nasty. <laughs> um, I, and I don't want to eat raw meat all the time. Like, what the hell? Um, and I don't really want to be a witch because I don't want to practice magic. So I guess I'll just be a human. <laughs> can I be the librarian? <laughs> you can be the librarian. <laughs> Welcome, welcome to the bod. <laughs> in um, this book, in this book, we don't really have a lot of humans. The humans no. really are like the librarians. No. Like that's the only right. people in it. Um, and, and further into the right, further into the book, you're gonna see that we're gonna meet more humans. Um, Diana's best friend from Yale, and we meet him. Christopher Ro- uh, Christopher Robbins. Not Christopher Robbins. Who? <laughs> oh, the fandom's booing me. I can hear him. Diana's best friend, Christopher. He is a southern black man mm-hmm. who got tenure at Yale and runs a lab at Yale, and he's human. Right. We do and- get a little bit about him in this first book. And Chris is... He's just—he's one of my favorite characters in this whole series. What one I love like about him, favorite characters in this whole series. What I like about him. Now, granted, he's only in like maybe like a half a chapter or something. But what I like about him is that he is a scientist, and she finds all these historical tests texts that are like studying weird crap like alchemy and other historical scientific things and then he she like brings him the stuff and he like does the experiments that's amazing he's like that's right there that's friendship right there right sure let me stop my lab for a hot minute and i'll go ahead and run some tests here to see how this shit works out so um spoilers so in book three we eventually go to his lab i'm not going to tell you why we go to his lab he does not refer to anybody by their given name. Every single person, every student in his lab, every <laughs> undergrad, postgrad, have nicknames. Nice. Every single one. And it is amazing. And the way he gives nicknames is like based off of personalities and how he views them. And it's just, it, it shows you who Christopher is. Nice. And like... Um, what does he nickname Diana? Doesn't, because he loves her so much she gets to say Diana. <laughs> That's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it. I mean, having a platonic male best friend, I think, was really important in the series, mm-hmm. because we see a lot of different dynamics, mm-hmm. like, in relationships, in the LGBTQ plus community, right? We mm-hmm. Diana has... Her, she is raised by her two aunts, right? Mm-hmm. And after her parents die, and like they're not living together, they're not. I'm doing air quotes for those that are not watching, right? I, I, they're just I, roommates. roommates. <laughs> you gotta love the '80s in upstate New York. Oh. Um, but like, as soon as Diana went off to college, Em moved in, right? right. So I. But you see so many different variations of the LGBT plus community. Yeah, and uh, Matthew's demon friend, whose name escapes me, Dana, is also um, he's he's a gay man. Uh, what is who? His name? Like, oh, it's gonna bug. I, I know it. Like Hamish, it's Hamish. 
Oh my gosh, yes, it's Haymitch. It came to my mind as soon as I started Googling. Hey Mitch, oh my god, please cut all that crap out because I'm a shit show, obviously. Obviously, I am not a good fan. Um, so, on pause here. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah, so Haymitch, um, which also, that's a, I don't know why I forgot that because he's a character, that's the name of a character in, um, yeah, in Hunger Games. Hunger yeah. Haymitch hey um, but- hey is gay. Yes. Sweet yes. William. Yes. Yeah, so His he- beloved Sweet William. So he's a, yeah, so we definitely have those elements of the LGBTQ here. Um, and, uh, yeah, I lost what we were talking about. I lost it. <laughs> we're talking about relationships and oh, how right. Deb was showing different formats of the relationships throughout, right? right? She shows parent relationships with Marcus and Matthew. We see a parent relationship with Matthew and Isabeau. We see... Yeah. Diana and her aunts. We see so many different variations of parent setup. We see friendship in different ways. We see... You know what we we don't see? see Okay, what's that? We don't see the traditional parent relationship. At least in the first book. There are the two characters that are going to have a baby. And one of them, their mom is introduced at the beginning of the book. But we actually don't see that. We don't see like an actual biological um, parent situation. Diana's parents... Rebecca and Stephen, they just... Well, they're dead. They're dead. But we talk about them. We know she had them till yeah, she was, like, she, eight-ish. Yeah, but she really wasn't raised by them. Cause like, no, at, because, like... No, because they died. Yeah, right. So she was raised by Sarah and, and Emily. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say, even though we don't have that actual, you know, biological parent relationship, um, I would say that Matthew's family, uh, which they're all vampires... And right. um, they they have the relationship that you see with like the Cullens, like your creator right. is your parent, um, right. and uh, like they really do have that relationship. Like Matthew with his son Marcus, um, mm-hmm. he's hard on him like a dad. And Marcus gets out of line at one point. Like this is like a flashback in the story. So Marcus gets out of line right. and he's like creating all these other vampires and making a hot mess. Okay, and- so this is I'm actually gonna I'm gonna jump into this and explain this if that's okay. Oh, okay, I, can, can I finish? No, 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 finish, finish. Yeah, sorry. So what I was going to say is, like, he scolds him the way that a father would. And he's like, if you really were interested in making me a granddad. <laughs> and I love that line because, like, he was like, no, like, these are my grandkids that you created right. and they're just screwing everything up. They're not right. doing the things they're supposed to do. So, so yeah, sorry, go ahead. Massive spoiler. Blood rage is a thing in this series, right? It is mm-hmm. a blood disease that is passed from one vampire parent to another. It can be recessive in some children. Marcus, Matthew has blood rage, which he got from Isabeau. Isabeau is a not like it doesn't present in her, right? She's a carrier, mm-hmm. not a presenter. Matthew has blood rage. It's very powerful. It was terrible for him for a long time. He had to learn to control it. Like Isabeau, which you don't learn all of this till book three. Mm-hmm. Like Isabeau, Marcus is a carrier, but he mm-hmm. doesn't present with blood rage. So what was going on in Nola was Marcus had no idea he was passing on this blood rage okay, that makes disease sense. to his children. And Philippe sent Matthew to clean up this mess. Right. Because he should, Philippe pretty much tells Matthew, you should have told him. Right. You didn't tell your kid what's going on. You gotta do the things. Now you have to go and be a dad and clean up a mess you shouldn't have, you could have prevented. Right. And And while we're on the subject of like this background information about this Mm -hmm. bloodlust, like nowhere in this blood rage, excuse me. They're vampires. They all bloodlust. Um, <laughs> like, there is so much in this book that I struggled with because I'm not a reader of regular like fan like fantasy and mm-hmm. magic stuff. Um, like they talk about, um, I wrote a note about it. Let me see here. Uh, spellbinding. Yes. And, and Diana is spellbound. Spellbound. By yes. Her, by her parents, and I had no idea what that was. Okay, so, so, so like, sorry, I, I kind of understood it, like reading the context of it, because I'm a good reader. But like, I feel like there were elements of this that if you are not a reader of the genre, like you will get lost because right. these things. Well, are it's not- also it was intended to be a mystery, so you don't understand it till the next book. 
So okay, her parents spellbound her because she's a weaver. Being right. oh, I don't know right. what a weaver is, but I know oh, okay. they spellbound her. Like they talk about it. I get right. it. So um, in book two, we learn Diana is a weaver, and weavers don't learn traditional spells they make spells and that's how witches spells get originated is okay. there is weavers in these families and well, that that's makes, how she that makes that's sense how she, sorry sorry go ahead that's how she's able to carry matthew's children she's a weaver i kind of wondered, wondered if they did have children they alluded weavers to it happening the only ones that can make babies with vampires it makes wow. children called Brightborns, which is beautiful and it's heartwarming. It's still ridiculous. I'm sorry to <laughs> go back to this, but vampires cannot have sperm. That is a living... Oh my gosh. Listen, if you're going to write vampire fiction, stop making them impregnate people. This is not... This cannot work. Because they're dead creatures. <laughs> I don't understand. Okay, but anyway. Tally up, folks. That's great. Number two. <laughs> I love you. This is so much fun. Um, um, but I do want to say, like, they do explain why she was spellbound. But, right. like, when they talk about spellbinding, I didn't know what that was. I don't read this. Right. And, like, and they talk about, like, you know, there are certain aspects of this book where, like, if you don't read this genre regularly, you're, like, kind of lost in it. So, um, I was... I'm not going to spoil the show for you because I think you'll end up going to watch it. I'm definitely going to watch it. Because I went to see Alex Kingston. <laughs> I was very irritated on how they did the spellbinding. Okay. In the book, they talk about ribbons and bedtime stories. And yeah. But I thought show, there was a way that she could break it. So that right, she could there is a way, and she does break it in the second book. It's I a whole process. Yeah. Um, but the way they tell this story in the show, it, it, it makes it scary. Mm-hmm. And it gives Diana nightmares, and I'm not going to give spoilers, but, but like I don't supposed, like it. It's not supposed to. That was supposed to be her bedtime stories that were supposed right. to be pleasant. Right. So that makes That's, sense. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. it made me mad. It made me really mad. That's like one of my big gripes. Gra- Molly gripe number two, number one. If we're playing like, the home game, um, this was my big one of my bigger gripes about the show is is how they did this. And when you watch season one, you'll text me and you'll be like, I see what you're talking about. And do you feel like the series follows the books closely? Like, okay. So, um, I actually love the transition from book to series. So what they did in the series is they don't just show Diana's point of view and make it flat. Right. So Mm -hmm. in the series, you see other people's point of views and interactions and it fills the world out. Okay. So you're following the book, but you're also getting a bigger picture of this world. Okay. That actually reminded me of something I wanted to tell you that I really liked about this book. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about point of view. So this book is told mostly through first person point of view. Mm-hmm. Mostly. Right. And the first person point of view is Diana's. But I have to say, the author, Dr. Harkness, made a very bold choice that I fully was behind in this book. There are chapters that are told without Diana there. Right. And, and they're usually Matthew's story. Now, mm-hmm. um, when an author does this, usually what we see happen is either the character who is the first person point of view is like asleep and overhears this while they're sleeping. We see that in Twilight. We see that in Hunger Games. Or the author switches narrators and remains in first person point of view. So there would be like a chap, like if you think of the fourth book of Twilight, you have Jacob's perspective as well. Which I won't even get into. Stupid. stupid. 100%. Bad choice. This was a very wise choice that Dr. Harkness had. She chose. She weaves it in so well. Yes. She chose to keep those chapters that were not told from Diana as a third person point of view. And so you don't switch narrators, nope. but but you sort of do, because now we're outside of Diana, and we're in a like different you're, context. You're like watching, you're watching Bugs, man. Like, yeah. I thought that was so brilliant. When she did that for the first time, I was like, I have never read a book that did this before, and I really like I love it. And she does it, it throughout smart. the series. She it does it throughout so smart. the series. It's so well, because good. I, because one of my gripes is like that whole... 
their overhearing while they're sleeping thing. When I'm like, that's just nonsense. This because was you're a brilliant dead way. To- <laughs> right. 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 That was a brilliant way to handle it. And I really appreciated that. Um, that took a really f- fine touch there. And I liked yeah. that a lot. As my niece, yeah. as my 18 year old niece, who's a Gen Zer, says chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I have two more questions and then I'm going to hand it over to you for some oh, of your thoughts. I, yeah. Um, who is your favorite character? Oh my gosh. I like Emily. Um, I she's have empath- She's I so have, empathetic. She really is. I have so many reasons why, um, but she's a children's librarian. So I relate <laughs> to her right there off the jump. Like, yes, that's right. my person. Also, ma- librarians are magical creatures. Like we just totally are. So I 100% believe that there are witches in the library, even though I don't believe in witches, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> So I really liked her. Um, she is a deep thinker and she's very empathetic. And I felt like um, she is the perfect balance to Sarah. She's such a good partner. And I don't necessarily mean that like in their relationship, like obviously they're in love. I don't think they're actually married, right? They're not married, married, right? But they, they're, they've been a couple for quite some time. Um, but she's the perfect balance to Sarah, who will like, literally be like, screw this. You're just going to come home. We're done with this. You're so stupid. And then Emma will be like, um, but actually... The whole every time, every time Diana calls home and they're both on the phone... It's amazing. I, okay, first and foremost, who has not had that, like... Like calling your grandparents' house and both of them being like, "Hello, yeah. hello, 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 right, hello!" Right, like right, it's right. such. I think right. it's a thing we all can relate to. And also, related note: the fact that you used grandparents and not parents is why I love you because neither one of us would know that from the parent perspective. Well, <laughs> trauma makes us funny. Exactly! <laughs> Yay! Okay, I actually just added a note. Um, so my favorite character. I relate to Sarah so much. One, Molly, are you asking me to be a lesbian couple with you? <laughs> I mean, if things don't work out, it might even things out. But no, I'm, I, as like as a parent, I feel like I get Sarah on a cellular level. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Why am I always having to tell you what to do? Like, get your shit together. Like, I feel like, and if you would have just told you what I told you to do the first time, none of this would have been happening. Yeah, but (laughs) I really, I really am the other side of that because I'm like, honey, we talked about this and I really feel like you, was this a good choice? was not a good choice. <laughs> like, I can definitely see you and I having the conversation about when Sarah and Ev, she tells them about the book and the spell sealing. Yeah. I can see you being the person of calm and thought process mm-hmm. and me being like, what the frack, man? Like, you know <laughs> not to mess with magical objects. You right. know to ask for help. Right. What were you thinking? You're like, it's okay. It's we're going to figure this fine. out. It's going to be fine. Don't anybody get upset. Can I get you anything? So, um, who do you think is your biggest villain in this book? Um, in this book, I think Diana is the biggest villain to herself. She's self-destructive. Really? She's oh, self-destructive. Sure. She makes poor choices um listen she's not even supposed to be associating with vampires like her aunts have made that very clear that this is a bad business and i'm just gonna go ahead and marry one sounds like a good idea Yay! like no you were told no also she's willingly chosen not to have magic be a part of her life but she's like i'm just gonna use magic to get that book over there she's a villain to herself i think I think we say this when we talk about River Song. I think Diana is very chaotic neutral. Right. Like, she's right there in the middle and she can go either way. And, you know, I think most of us that are chaotic neutrals, what up? Um, I feel like we don't intend to be chaotic neutral. It happens, right? (laughs) Like, we're just, like, letting things go and then we're like, eh, let's watch shit burn. You know? (laughs) Like... But that's why you need people like me who are lawful good, who are like, don't worry, I'll, I'll make sure we're fine. I'll this take is care of you. Matthew Biggs. I mean, 
Do you not think my life would be on fire if it wasn't for him? Yeah, shout out to Matthew Biggs. That's true. <laughs> um, the opposite is true in my house. So, <laughs> this is true in my house. Right. We've said this before. Tom is... He's chaotic evil. <laughs> him and I have a lot of similar qualities. Okay, so I, I just added two bubbles. Okay. Is the Bishop House a character? Oh my gosh. So that was actually one of the things I wanted to talk to you. What the crap is up with that house? It's amazing! So I the, love the house so much. So the house is like magical and it's haunted and it's like all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm going to spit out this furniture and we're going to add a room and it's all fine. It's fine. And everybody's just like, it's a house. It's fine. And then all these like, like all of the witches that came before Diana, she can see all of them, but not everybody can see all of them. Was that right? Like not everyone because can see them. everyone's power manifests different, right? Okay. It, um, some witches have water, some witches have earth, that kind of thing. And she, because she's a weaver, she has like a little bit of everything. All the things. She's divergent. <laughs> <laughs> and how many series has she added now? <laughs> but so, she's just. So at this point, the fandom hates me a lot, right? <laughs> think they're gonna find this hilarious i'm finding it hilarious so the bishop house it's it's described as yes it is chaotic yes it is hyper magical but it's warm deb writes this beautiful warm and she writes it during halloween which is always the time you think of being like with your friends and family and just Having fun and, and and somehow the whole community like knows that M and Sarah are witches, but like, like they don't say anything because like because there's other witches there. The right? stitches get stitches. We're gonna, be, we're gonna stitch on the witches. Like I mean, Sarah does seem to know what everybody's business is, and she does seem to be able to fix things. Right, right. Um. Then the last note I just wrote was the when Marcus comes and he's like hey mom to diana it's just i love that it's just i love marcus i heart marcus so much just say of the vampires he's probably my favorite of the vampires i like him a lot to me he's i mean he's definitely not a teenager but he feels like a teenager to me like he feels like a student i feel like because he is so he is naturally written as a warm-hearted person right? right he in his book, you learn he's been through a lot of trauma. He's had a lot, like, hmm. happen to him. being transferred into a vampire. He's had more yes. trauma. Yes. Like, well, he was dying in the Revolutionary War. That's why Matthew did it. So he's like Carlisle. He's like, he's like, Car- well, no, Matthew doesn't, <laughs> no, Matthew doesn't do that. Matthew just saw a kid he knew uh-huh. through the war, and he's like, ah, shit. Let's just see what happens. He didn't, yeah. he. Which is kind of how Matthew gets changed too. It's right. like he's dying and they know that they can make him better. But so D- Matthew's death, Matthew's death is sad because Matthew's death, the reason Matthew died was because he was depressed. He committed suicide. And yeah. Isabeau, who knew in him and loved him as a child, just couldn't stand to see this yeah. kid she loved die. And right. I mean, if I had the power to save somebody I loved that much, what I I would do exactly but, what Isabeau did. But it's saving them by killing them, right? So I, 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 don't know. I mean, it's a cursed life, right? Isn't that what Edward right. thinks it is? It's a cursed <laughs> life for us. It's a cursed <laughs> life for us. <laughs> okay, under your notes. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm sorry. What a mess. What a mess. No, I love us. It's fun. <laughs> um let's see. Uh I think I've pretty much told you all my things. Um you did ask if I like coffee or tea. Oh, okay. So final question. Coffee or tea? Water? or lemonade i don't drink caffeine um i it gives me a headache and 
if I get caffeine, it's usually half calf. And my friend Katie, who has been listening to our pod, and knows she's going to be like, "Damn it, April!" Hi, Katie. <laughs> Hi, Katie. She's going to probably be like, "Damn it, April, get yourself some caffeine." But I don't really need it. Like I have like I'm pretty effervescent in the morning anyway, so we're yeah. fine. Must um, be nice. <laughs> two o'clock i'm like i'm out i'm done we're done <laughs> which works out fine for a children's librarian because we're usually right you know most of the out yeah um, but i love lemonade it's that's if i'm gonna like get something i want lemonade but i want fresh lemonade i don't want <laughs> i don't want like minute made crap that's made with syrup or powder no i'm not here for that um tom really loves tea and mm-hmm. Um, he makes iced tea. I'm not even exaggerating when I say that my husband literally drinks gallons in the plural of tea a day of sweet tea a day. I know it's it's a lot of sugar. Um, but I don't like it when I have tea. It's because I'm sick and I'm drinking hot tea and that's like to warm your like, yeah, yeah, it's the literally the only time that I drink it. Now, I guess if I have to choose between the two of them, I'll pick coffee, but I don't really like that much caffeine. So, and I don't like the taste of coffee. So I basically need it to taste like sugar and milk. So how about you? Both. I am Both. both. I will drink coffee and tea in the same day, but I'm also ADHD, so I could have a coffee, tea, water, and an orange juice sitting at the same table and, like, rotate through them and wouldn't notice. Take a drink of orange juice. Take a drink of tea. Take a drink of coffee. That sounds awful. Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Well, it's like I'm working in a workspace, right? And I go, and I'm like, I need to walk around. And I go and grab, oh, fresh pot of coffee. Grab a cup. And then I come in, and I'm like, oh, I have my water. And I made a tea an hour ago. Oh, well. And then I'll set it down. And then I get up and, like, I do the same thing. And I'm like. But that made me think of that song, Tub Thumping. Like, yeah. she drinks an orange juice drink. She drinks a tea drink. <laughs> she drinks a vodka drink. She drinks a vodka drink. Sing songs about the good times. Sing songs about the bad times. And that is really showing our age. <laughs> the CD got was Chumbawamba Tub Thumping. Stop it. That was, like, the only. That was my first CD. Why? Because like my mom here. knew I was obsessed with the song. That was the only reason she bought it. <laughs> All right. Oh uh, my gosh, so what a mess. We are, but it's a fun mess. So let's wrap up. Discovery. Yeah. Really? Okay, so you're going to watch the series, right? I think so. I mean, I'm re-watching Parks and Rec because... Comfort. And um, I am watching Doctor Who with husband, but I think I'm going to put Discovery of Witches on our to be watched TBR. list. Yeah, yeah. TBW. Yeah, he and I watch TV together, and I do think um, that would be one he would enjoy too. So It's good. I really it's, like it. I like he's the much casting. more into like, ma- magic and fantasy things than I am. So um, You'll have to, okay, so you haven't seen the casting for any of this yet. Well, I know so, that her song is in it, so I'm here for it. <laughs> and um, you'll have to let, after this is over and we post, uh, let's say the Wednesday after this airs, you'll have to post on Book Besties and let everyone know what you think of the casting that has been done for the series. Okay. I'll try to, so. um, I'll look into it. I don't know that I'll be able to, like, I don't know that I'll be able to watch it before then, but I will do my best. Right. But you should look at the casting and see what you think, especially since I'll you have the characters in your brain. Yeah, I will definitely look at the casting list. Yeah. I I'll, think I'll, maybe, I'll probably want to complain about it. And then you can be like, number four! <laughs> well, you know what? We're just going to add, all, we're going to go to gripe six. We're just going to assume there's yeah. three more in there. <laughs> I mean, it's a safe assumption. It is. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. You're allowed an opinion. I guess. <laughs> oh, so thank you so much for doing this for me. Thank you. I am. Missed you. I've missed you. This has been a really fun episode. Um, besties, yeah. we will see you next week. It is Fangirl. Fangirl, so, my pick. Yep. Fangirl, woo! I Rainbow <laughs> Um, so coming up is Fangirl. That'll be on the 17th. Mm-hmm. Um, Sister's Keeper is the 24th. Which I am currently reading and it's beside me right here. My Sister's Keeper by Jody Picole. Which that book, frack that book, man. Uh, Don't give then too we, much away. Yeah. Then we roll into uh, Band Book Month. We're going to start early on the 31st, yeah. which is Kill a Mockingbird. And then it'll be Looking for Alaska after that. 
Yeah. And so we are going to be doing five books for Band Book Month, and I am very excited. You are going to read my sacred book of To Kill a Mockingbird, and I already have a feeling that you're going to break my heart because I don't think you're going to like it. But it's really the best book ever written, and you're wrong. I'm just going to <laughs> I'm not saying I don't like it. That's not I, – I, we'll discuss it there. I don't not like it. That's not – it has validity. Let's just say that. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll talk about it in a few weeks. <laughs> oh, besties, we love you. Thank yes. you for listening. Thank you for listening. And yes. liking and subscribing and doing all the things. And we actually have a following right now, which is really exciting. Right. We have some pretty dedicated viewer, viewers and listeners. So, Korea, we appreciate you. Thank you for t- tuning in, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, excited about it. Yeah, I am too. Um, Till next time, besties. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Book Besties. Don't forget to like and subscribe. The views discussed here are those of Molly and April and not those of anyone else. Today's book was A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness. Your book besties are Molly Biggs and April Watkins. Editing by Thomas Watkins and music is Sleep Sweetly by Prigida. Don't forget to follow Book Besties on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you would like to contact the Book Besties, please email us at bookbestiespod at gmail.com.